Hi, I'm Shari Tishman. And I'm David Perkins. We are excited to welcome you to the first episode of a podcast series called Thinkability. Now, if you're wondering about the name, well, here's the story. Some of you may know Shari and I a bit already from our work together at the Education Research Center, Project Zero. Over the years, Shari and I have worked on many projects together having to do with thinking and ways of teaching thinking. As part of that, and also simply on the side, we've had dozens, well, maybe hundreds of conversations about thinking and even kept lists of conversations we want to have. So much of all that is, well, thinkable. So this podcast series is a way for us to keep up that habit of conversation. It's our habit of exploring thinkable topics and inviting everyone into it because we're excited to see where the series takes us and we're excited to have you along. So where to start? Here's a thought about that. Lots of learning starts with curiosity. So our first episode is on the topic of curiosity. And to go with that, we have a big question. What good is curiosity? We all think of curiosity as basically a good thing. But what is curiosity? Why do we even have it? What does curiosity have to do with thinking and learning? Those are great puzzles. And, and it is true, isn't it, Dave, that curiosity comes up a lot when people talk about learning. As educators or parents, you know, we get excited when people are curious about something. And we worry about stifling curiosity in educational contexts, you know, especially by snuffing it out, by over-focusing on things like rote memorization or focusing too much on competitive testing. Those are the kinds of things that we worry will really stifle curiosity. All too true. It seems as though a lot's going on and a lot is good about curiosity from a learning perspective. Let's see, what comes to mind? Well, curiosity is engaging and motivating. Sometimes it gets you past yourself, past things that can hinder learning like shyness or lack of confidence. And we usually see curiosity as a sign of, an expression of an intrinsic desire to know an intrinsic desire to learn. You know, it makes learning meaningful. When I think about curiosity, I think about my own curiosity. So here's an example. I'm curious about the Mars rover, Perseverance, and the Mars helicopter, Ingenuity. And appropriately, even before that, there was the Curiosity Mars rover. Now, you could call this idle curiosity. It's not that this is central to my life, but that's what's great about curiosity. We're curious about a lot of things that aren't necessarily central to our lives. You know, that situates us in a complex world. Oh, I know exactly what you mean. Um, and thinking about, you know, curiosity sort of opening up new things to us. I remember... Um, a while ago, I was on a research project that was looking at the mindsets of tinkerers and makers. And through that project, I had some uh, hands-on experience with an activity called mechanical take-aparts, where you would mechanically take apart everyday objects like a doorknob or a hairdryer to really understand how they worked. And honestly, I had never been curious about those kinds of things before, but that activity really sparked my curiosity about how things are designed, how they're made. 
and how they might be made differently. And it sort of really stayed with me. So, you know, I think another thing that's good about curiosity and addition to just sparking learning is that it can sort of change our way of looking at things. Like, for example, me with these take-aparts, you know, I now think, well, how could this be different? What are the assumptions underlying this design? How might they be something different? So I guess in a way, I mean, actually in a very important way, curiosity can be part of creativity because it's really about sort of pushing beyond what something looks like on the outside and getting underneath. Okay, well, I think we both agree that curiosity is an important learning characteristic, something that educators will want to cultivate in students. So let's come back to this question of cultivation in a minute. But let's take the long way there by first asking the question again that you, you raised earlier, Dave, what is curiosity? How would you characterize it? I suppose the short answer there is that curiosity is a motive. It's kind of like, oh, hunger and thirst. It's a felt need. It's in this case of curiosity, a desire specifically to know and understand more about something, almost anything. Let's see it, explore it, learn more about it. Hmm, that feels right. You know, it also reminds me of a theme uh, that I think is in research about curiosity, which is sort of, is curiosity a state or a trait or both? You know, that is, is it a state that operates something like a basic drive, like hunger, something you have, it needs to be satisfied. And then when you satisfy your curiosity, it's gone. But... We also talk about curiosity as a kind of a character trait. You know, all of us know some people who we think of as having that trait. I would name you among them, Dave, people who are just naturally curious. So I guess that's something that's just curious about curiosity to me, that it can be both episodic and also a pervasive character trait. Hey, how about you, Dave? What's something that's curious about curiosity to you? That brings me back to our key question here. What good is curiosity. One thing it's not good for typically is the immediately practical. If we say, want a drink of water, we don't think of that as a kind of curiosity. It's something we need now. Uh, sometimes things like curiosity are called intrinsic motivations. They really have to do not so much with satisfying some bodily need as they have to do with pursuing something for its own sake. And the good side of this is that it motivates exploration and understanding. It motivates learning in advance of immediate need. Interestingly, uh, animals have it too. You will discover that animals explore their environments, new environments, what's here, what's there, and so forth. It's not that they're hunting. It's not that they're looking for a drink or anything like that. They want to know what's there. And from an adaptive standpoint, that's kind of smart because it's good to know in advance what's around. You may need it uh, in the next hour or tomorrow or a few days later. So that's something that's curious about curiosity for me. What's another thing that's curious about curiosity for you? Mm, well, first of all, I just, I love that thought about the animals and sort of finding, knowing your way around. It's sort of how curiosity can be both purposeful and purposeless at the same time. That's interesting. And I guess that kind of gets at something else that's curious to me about curiosity 
which is its complexity. You know, we, on the one hand, we immediately get the idea of curiosity. You know, if we say what's curiosity, we easily know what it is. We know it when we see it, but there's really interesting variety in the concept. I mean, for one, curiosity seems to vary in degree from like idle curiosity, as you mentioned with you in the Rover to insatiable curiosity that absolutely can't be stopped. And also it differs in mood. Sometimes it's really pleasant and just lovely to be curious about something, but sometimes it can be uncomfortable, that need to find out. And relatedly, it differs in the way it plays out, its sort of flavors or its behaviors. You know, curiosity can pursue its object in different ways. You know, tinkering, being playful, messing around is one way of expressing curiosity, but sort of laser-like focus, having to open that door, really zealously pursuing something is also a flavor of curiosity. And then related to that, it sort of differs in target. It can be really, really focused on one thing, or it can be more exploratory in spirit. So that complexity is interesting. Sounds right to me. And back to our big question, what good is curiosity? There's something especially good about human curiosity. We have two paths, finding out and thinking out. A lot of times we find out, we explore our environment, uh, we look things up and so forth. That's not all that different from non-human animals exploring and checking out what's there. But another big component of our human curiosity is thinking out. So we figure things out or we get some information and then figure them out and then check back with more information and so forth. So that combination of finding out and thinking out that's really powerful for us. Hmm. I love that, that distinction between finding out and thinking out. That, that feels right. You know, I wonder if this is a good moment to circle back to the question that we mentioned earlier, which is what, what, what could we say about how to foster curiosity, maybe particularly in educational settings, whether they're formal school settings, museums, businesses, or whatever. What do you think? As I stand back from that, I'm kind of recognizing that questions are a big part of it. Mm. We shape our curiosity and sharpen it and pursue it through questions. If we're thinking about learning around the family dinner table or in a class or in a museum or wherever, notions that bubble up for me are share what questions excite you about a topic. Frame the topic with big questions, not just the tiny little details that you can look up in 30 seconds on Wikipedia, but the big questions. And encourage everyone to ask big questions in the first place to establish a good launching pad, so to speak. For a little more organization on that, there's a notion of through lines. Through lines are a small number of big questions that one can hang with throughout exploring a topic, even for weeks, even for months sometimes. So suppose we have four or five big questions and we keep going back to them. Have we made some progress on this? What do we know? What do we not know? What do we think we know? And uh, those big questions, those through lines don't have to just come from the boss, whether the boss is a teacher or a discussion leader or a mm -hmm. leader or whatever, they can come from anyone. They can be assembled from everyone. And there's another notion that's very question-oriented. It's, it's called expansive framing. That is 
E-X-P-A-N-S-I-V-E, not expensive framing. <laughs> and expansive framing means that the pursuit is framed as open-ended, as not done at the end of the unit or done at the end of the week. Yeah, we'll make some progress. Uh, we'll sort out some things. We'll advance some of those through lines. But don't let's think that in two weeks, we're going to sort out everything about whatever the topic is. Start it with an open spirit and recognize that it's going to stay open. What about you, Shari? What comes to mind? Well, you know, I, I, I absolutely agree with you that, that what you suggest are really great design principles for designing learning experiences that spark curiosity and the design principle of asking questions, of looking for big through lines, for framing things expansively. Um, so I guess, let's see, some other design principles might be keep in mind the obstacles to curiosity. You know, one obstacle to curiosity is topics that are so vast and sort of hard to navigate that they're just overwhelming. You don't even want to enter them. And then on the other end of the spectrum, another obstacle to curiosity, and you were sort of suggesting this when you talked about Wikipedia, is that something's too narrow or just so easy to answer that, you know, you could go on Google and find the answer in five seconds. It doesn't tickle us. It doesn't motivate us to explore further. So keeping in mind obstacles, I guess, is another idea. And then another one would be just simply giving time and space for the mind to wander, you know, creating elbow room for curiosity to arise by just giving something that you've often said, Dave, giving thinking time or something that I've talked about, giving looking time, you know, I mean, to pick a really simple example, if I you know, said, look out your window and look at that tree quickly and tell me, tell me what you think. You might not say much, but if I asked you to take a minute to just spend some time thinking and looking at a tree, you might find yourself curious about all kinds of things like bark pattern, leaf pattern, branch pattern, and so on. So just giving the mind time to wander, I think is a, is a key idea. And then that brings me back in a way to the take apart activity that I mentioned earlier, which is, you know, when you take the time to take something apart, you get a hint at the guts of it, the underlying assumptions, the underlying mechanisms. So maybe, you know, often we present topics as just there, but maybe if we want to stimulate curiosity, we might think about presenting topics in a way that exposes their underside, that invites people to sort of poke at why they are the way they are and how they could be different. Hmm. So I think we've made some headway, Dave. We've thought a bit about the big question, what good is curiosity? We've thought about what is curiosity and what, what it's for in general. We've talked a bit about why it's important uh, to learning and also how it can be fostered. So any headlines stand out to you? All right. Headline mode. Let's see what we can say here. Here are some things that really stand out for me. Curiosity is a motive to find out and think out. And as such, it boosts our attention, energy, and enthusiasm. That's one good thing. Curiosity gets us to explore and learn in advance of immediate need. That's why we have it. Big but approachable questions are a fundamental tool of curiosity. Questions for ourselves, conversations, classes. That approachable part you underscored earlier 
one wants to be able to make some progress on them, to get some traction on them. And finally, in teamwork or classrooms, we can boost curiosity with structures like through lines and expansive framing, a big picture approach from the beginning that makes good progress without expecting to settle everything soon. How about you, Shari? Uh, what stands out for you headline-wise? Mm, well, your list is great. Um, let's see. Um, another one just that stands out to me is that, uh, you know, curiosity has many faces. There's lots of variety in the way people express it, and it can look very different across learners and across contexts. So that's, you know, as an educator, that's something you want to be alert to. It's also worth pointing out that it can curiosity can be a little uncomfortable for learners sometimes. You know, it can be challenging and one wants to be sensitive to that. I guess another headline is that there are different kinds of obstacles to sustained curiosity. You know, we talked about this earlier, you know, things can be too vast, they can be too simple. So if you want to foster curiosity, you want to be alert to these kinds of obstacles. And then I guess, I guess the last thing that I would say is, you know, something that we've both touched on is that curiosity inherently involves intrinsic motivation. So it's kind of a learning superpower. If you have curiosity, you will learn. And if you know how to cultivate curiosity in yourself, you'll be a lifelong learner. So it seems really worth fostering as a basic learning disposition. I love that thought. And it's wonderful to believe that we actually have a kind of superpower. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> so there's some thoughts on what good is curiosity. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Thinkability. See you next time, Shari. See you next time, Dave. I look forward to it. I know we'll be talking about the topic metacognition. It's a topic that's been around for a long time, but it has a fresh meaning these days in some interesting and useful ways. So we hope you'll join us for the second episode of Thinkability. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts or on the Project Zero website, or look for us on Twitter at ThinkabilityPZ.